So it begins. So it begins. I did the math, and uh, if we stick to three episode parts for this, it'll be a nine-parter. Which <laughs> I think is, Gurren Lagan's worth it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's worth doing nine episodes on. Uh, you sp- But, like, it's worth it to the point where I'm, like, reconsidering every other show we're even covering. This <laughs> yeah. is, like... Yeah, I just got these three episodes and it's just like, wow, dude. Yeah, I, I was I was telling you this because we, we, we hung out and played video games uh, a couple days ago. And I remember saying, like, dude, three episodes isn't going to be enough for me. <laughs> I I think I think we should keep it there, especially after I watched the three. And I was like, this, this gives me plenty. Oh, yeah, it's, it's plenty. Just, it's just my binge here. brain. That's like. I, I need to continue. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, and also the, the, the way that I have experienced this show previously is just I end up starting it and then I don't stop. <laughs> like, right. I just get pulled in every time. It's every time I start this, I can't put it down. Yeah, it's always it's, it's always kill within, kill, it's it's within either the first couple days or within the week that you finish the show. Yeah. So this is this is going to be the most procedural, the like the most patient way I've ever consumed Grand Lagan because I mean, I didn't watch it when it was being aired or anything. It was right. actually one of the first things I think I remember watching on Netflix. Yep. And it was a. Uh, I want to say, uh, 2010. Mm, that sounds about right. That sounds 2010, about right. 2011 is when it got put on there. And, uh, yeah, this premiere episode, it's, it's still the goat. It's still the best there's ever been. Yeah. The, I don't know if there's, Go ahead. The, well, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right into it. The uh, the scene the, where the sky is just rotating around them always yeah, gets I mean, me. That's the one. That's the one we can't stop talking about. Right. You want to talk? Which I mean, just Gurren Lagann in general is something we can't stop talking about. Let's see. What what is it? There's Burnout Paradise, Treasure Planet, Gurren Lagann. That's like that's the three. Those were the, the, holy the three, Trinity. the three defining pieces of media where you got the video game, the movie and the series. That's the three things we could not stop talking about. Yeah. Who's like, reading books? Stop reading books. Well, we, <laughs> I wasn't much of a, I was never much of a reader. Same. I wasn't a reader until recently, but, uh, there, that was, there wasn't like a, a book or anything that we had like a, uh, a synchronized interest in mm-hmm. that's there. That's only happened a few times. And this, this is the one that just, it's relentless. It doesn't go away. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and I, I have, man, I have so many notes. There was so much stuff that I was like, I want to talk about this. I just, I want to talk about everything. But one of the things that I wrote down was uh, th- there's that line where Kamina is talking to Simone and he says, you know, drills, drills are your soul. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if if drills are Simone's soul, then Gurren Lagann is Spiral Hour's soul. This is where all of the energy 
yeah came from originally like you don't have spiral hour if we didn't see gurren Lagann at that time right there the, it, like it came at the at same the, time it came at the perfect moment like we were right at that that point where we would receive it the best yeah like there there if there was ever going to be some sort of thing i did about covering anime it mm-hmm. was going to be because of gurren Lagann. Yeah. And second of all, if I was ever going to have a co-host, it was going to be you because of Gurren Lagann. Right, right. It was it was that the right thing at that right time. Yep. Like to, to the point where I can still hardly describe it to this day. Like thinking of that energy at yeah. that specific point in time. And that's why we are so afraid of it. <laughs> yeah, no, this is this is the big one. Like, sure, I, I can't wait to cover Kill a Kill. I'm looking forward to that because mm-hmm. that was a sort of second win moment. But this is the one like th- this is the this is the elephant in the room. This yeah, is the, this, this the, is the big ga- boy. Th- this is the bigger than a galaxy sized elephant in the room. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and there's I, I just look at the DNA that the show evolved into and it's like, oh, it's it's here. It's all here already. Like the the pop off, the kind of energy where it's like, oh, I'm just I'm already on the edge of my seat. I'm already like wanting to like pump my fist in the air. It's this. Yeah. Constantly. The battle cries. Oh, there are uh, like, plenty. It, it retroactively came from this. Like these these one liners that just like make your gut just like fill with fire there. So every single time that I watch it, for some reason, I completely forget that it starts with that scene where they're in space already. Like it, it does the in many oh, yeah. res. And yeah, that's a nice sneaky one. And <laughs> it always takes me by surprise. But then that just who the hell do you think I am? And then the pan back over the entire yeah. ship. So, always that like that like not even i don't even know what you would call it it's not a dolly shot but that would be like the closest thing but like when it's pulling back down the front of the ship or like down the i should say down the length of the ship and you're looking at it from the front and it also stops quite a bit before it even shows like even a third of the entire ship because you know, once you get to the finale, it is you get massive. that full shot. <laughs> also, <coughs> speaking of the finale, there's uh, changes that yeah. happened yeah. between that scene and the finale. And this is because this show is not based on a manga. So like in uh, when you're reading a manga, sometimes things will change. Uh, a great example is Jojo. Many things change as far as like design and style and stuff throughout the existence of jojo Mm -hmm. so you'll you'll get bits where it's like jumping forward and then when you actually get there it like looks completely different because araki decided he didn't like that design and then when you get an anime adaptation it like has all that stuff built in where it's like oh we're gonna start off with the final the final draft yeah yeah which uh there i can kind of take or leave that it depends with gurren Lagann, it's like like uh, all of the, which uh, we we gotta name drop them. Uh, let me let me get their actual names correct before I try. 
but the this this duo of writer and director who mm-hmm. i mean are more or less synonymous with each other Uh-oh. yeah hang on something's playing on my browser oh, i got to no. find it oh no Um, I can't find it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It wouldn't even stop playing. That was weird. Okay. All right. Uh, I couldn't find it because it was in a full screen tab, which wasn't open. So that's weird. What? I don't even know why it started doing that. The browser was already open. Anyway, weird. Uh, the writer-director duo, which are synonymous with each other because they're most popular, like their biggest stuff was together. Mm-hmm. And every time that they've kind of done something on their own, even when it's good, like in the case of Back Arrow, it's not... It's just... It's not quite. <laughs> I know uh, at the moment... Like at the time I was talking about how much I like, I I really liked the way back arrow came into its own and wrapped up. Mm-hmm. But it I took just a watched while the first get three there. episodes of this. Right. And it's like, it's just not even close. Yeah. There's, there's no comparison whatsoever. Like if you're just talking about, and this, this comes from the direction, which is Hiroyuki Imaishi. Mm-hmm. He's the director, uh, the writer, which the show has a lot of writers. This was back when, you know, it was Gynax still. Mm-hmm. This was kind of a uh, Gynax doing its. It was like, it's its thing. Gynax is doing its thing. You know, it's doing this, the big expensive animation with great direction. That's uh, on a TV budget. Yeah. Kind of the thing it was known for at the time, which it, I don't even think Gynax exists anymore. No, they went out. But, uh, yeah, they 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 um kind of they didn't have the people that made them Gynax there anymore. Yeah, the people who made it Gynax left and went to Trigger, and then Gynax kind of just like fizzled over the next few years, and then eventually died. I don't want to, I don't want to uh, say that it was everyone went to Trigger because not everyone yeah, did. Uh, yeah, like, for example, the Neon Genesis guys. That was a different thing, and that was Gynax. Right. So what made them Gynax to us? Yes. yes. Like, what What made our Gynax, which is the one that made Gurren Lagann and Penny and Stocking with Garter, Garter Belt, they went to form Trigger. Right. And uh, that included, at least primarily, save for Back Arrow, that included Kazuki Nakashima, mm-hmm. who was the primary writer for Gurren Lagann, and like the, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the one writer for Kill a Kill and for Promare. Mm-hmm. So like this, these three, which we've covered Promare already. Yep. I, I have a feeling we're going to have to come back around to Promare. It's it's not going to be enough to just have one episode on, uh, which <laughs> it is our most popular episode ever. Huh. But uh, yeah, and it's not even close. And I think it's because the uh, the title is uh, SEO friendly. The title is literally oh. just Promare in all caps <laughs> with well, uh, multiple <laughs> exclamation points. 
Yeah, there we go. I guess that that would uh, appeal to an algorithm. Yeah, that would be like, uh, we'll show this to the elderly and the children, our favorite customers. They'll click on it just compulsively or because they can't figure out how to stop. (laughs) It's like YouTube autoplay. It's like YouTube is going to do you a solid by showing you to showing you to an elderly person who can't figure out how to turn their YouTube app off. (sighs) But anyway, uh, I'm, I'm not sure when. I should get into the content because I I want to just constantly zoom in and out when it comes to this show. Like I want to talk about like the big broad stuff and then I want to hyper focus on like one small detail because (laughs) all of it, it's it's all encapsulating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like uh, you want to talk about a trajectory. Almost all of my like aesthetic sensibilities are at least in reaction to Gurren Lagann. Like, at the very least, it's I find some novelty in something because it's not Gurren Lagann. Like, <laughs> low-key things. Like, you know, kind of kind of gritty, low-key stuff I like almost because it's the opposite of Gurren Lagann. It's like, I, I, can't, I can't escape how... The default settings for my brain now is like that that first see like like the 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 first moment where the Gainax animation really shows itself and like uh Imaishi's directing style shows itself is when the two pig mole uh yeah. trains kind of collide <laughs> and make a DNA strand that spirals up. It's like that sort of like there's a lot of squash and stretch yeah in the style that a lot is of, used a lot of th- fuzzy circles yes a lot of that stuff fuzzy circles uh that's that's throughout the style but it's this sort of i wish i had better words to describe it like i wrote so many notes down but i couldn't think of the right word to describe the kind of the feeling that this has it's not tension but it's and it's not like bounciness. It's neither of those. But there's a sort of like a. Hmm. How would you describe this? It's like things will things will stick together and then split apart. And like. I don't know. I mean, it might just be squash and stretch is the way to describe it. And it's just squash and stretch used in a mech show. But. Yeah, like the 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 scene in episode two, where it's the um, I can't remember the name of the move. <laughs> it's like the the Blood Brothers finishing move or something, where he yeah, picks up yeah. Simone and he throws him. Oh gosh, I wish I I I almost wrote it down. I can't remember what it is though. <laughs> so like, if if I had to do like a pretentious YouTuber uh, video essay where I just obsess over like fifteen, not even fifteen seconds maybe 15 seconds and just, you know, get 15 minutes of content out of that, of, of ad friendly content. It would be like talking about the wind up, like him throwing it, the camera, like then following Simone and Simone or uh, log on, like flipping around and putting the drill out. Mm-hmm. It's like that progression. However, the, however that will get described like, that kind of um, formula, I should say. 
it goes through all of the action scenes. Like you get it with the cross counter. You get it with all of the ways that Viral will like counter an attack is the attack like winds up and fires and then Viral like stands there like he isn't going to move and then moves almost all at once. And it's like a rubber band snapping. Yes. The oh, gosh, that's. um. Oh, man, I wish that I could remember all of the stuff from. uh what was it? The art of animation or the art of life? I think. Um, it's very much. It's like the anticipation I, to the, to the attack, to the, 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 I mean, you, you said the wind up, but that fluidity, like they make it, uh, it, it they, they're not concerned with the mechs being on model. Like they'll, well, they, they'll they let are. them. Well, yeah, but they'll let they'll they let are, them they, squash they and stretch. Yes. Yeah. And the smearing uh, and. Yeah, and this is the the result of it being. Well, I'm. I guess broadly, this this direction comes from it being an animation first and only. Mm-hmm. But then you know also this level of execution and this. Uh, this style like Imaishi is an auteur because you get the style in everything he ever works on mm-hmm. but it's like it's because everything he works on typically isn't an adaptation I mean I'm, I'm sure there's something somewhere in his um, filmography or whatever I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what you'd call it but I'm sure somewhere in Imaishi's like list of work portfolio yeah his somewhere in his portfolio has been an adaptation of a manga but his big stuff which would more or less be like he did storyboards and animation directing on fully coolly and you can see it in there Mm. like you can see when he was working on it uh he worked on uh helsing and he worked on um Full Metal Alchemist. So there's examples. Oh, you worked times. on Full Metal Alchemist. L- the original yeah, or Brotherhood? Original. And it was just key animation in like two episodes. Oh. Okay. So when it's when it's he's the guy who's doing it, like he is the director. He's the one with like final say on everything. Mm-hmm. It it looks this way. Uh same thing with Little Witch Academia. Like he, he did the um uh a lot of key animation for a lot of episodes. So even though Little Witch Academia isn't the best directed and isn't the best written of uh, the trigger shows by a long shot, <laughs> its animation is very, uh, it's just top notch. Yeah. And it's very high quality. And it's very charming. And it commands your attention. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just, it's extremely emotional. <laughs> like Gurren Lagann gets me emotional no matter what. Yeah, it's I seriously I don't know how to describe it It, like there's there's a tingling that I get in like my arms that I just want to like I just want to clench up and like your chest automatically puffs out at certain points. Yeah, and it's like you can't help but have a smile on your face and it like gets your blood pumping at those intense moments. 
and 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 I've watched it. I I've watched it make cynical people smile, and they're slightly annoyed, but they can't be mad. Mm-hmm. Like it is. I I don't know what I I don't I don't know if at the time certainly not at the time did I feel uh like I was surrounded by cynicism when I first saw it, but it's been the thing that keeps glowing. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I, I would say over the past couple of years, I, I was given the heartiest dose of black pills. Like I think probably everyone has. Yeah. <laughs> but like this one and I haven't been watching it because I've been like waiting because I knew we were going to cover it. So I normally I would watch this like at least once a year, at least but I haven't watched it in I haven't watched it since we started the show. Yep, same. And not, now that I'm coming back to it, it's like first of all, extremely nostalgic. So, uh, th- anyone listening, don't get us wrong. <laughs> nostalgia is definitely uh, a factor. Yes, we can definitely recognize the nostalgia. Like the English voice acting has been on and off like kind of, there there have been parts that's been like, man, I did not remember this, but I still can't switch to the Japanese voice acting because the English voice acting is so good to me. (laughs) Oh, it's nostalgic to you. What what do you mean? Like it's, you don't remember it this way. So there, there are a couple, like there are a couple points where like the line delivery, it's just like, Oh, I don't remember that feeling as awkward. I don't know. There, I I can't remember the, uh, the specific characters, but it was like, the, the the timing of the lines or like the inflection of the lines. I think that there were a couple lines that Yoko said where it's just like that that didn't come across in my memory the same way that I just heard it. And um and so like at moments it was taking me out of it, but then there would be like, you know, somebody would say something it's like, okay, I'm right back in it. I I've started to take and uh <laughs> I, the the way that I receive voice acting at this point has has changed a lot mm-hmm. over the years. In that, not that I I don't think voice acting should be done well. I obviously think it should be done well. It shouldn't be grating, but if it's not annoying, I I don't I don't mind it. Mm-hmm. Like it, it something it has to annoy me because I've I've noticed that there's. So many things that have great voice acting, like great talent and great direction that I just cannot suffer through if it has bad writing or if I think the story is evil. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, when I when I it's like, I I don't know, it's like the priority has just changed. It's like, I don't care if the voice acting is amateurish, like if it's good, it, it almost it doesn't even I don't even notice it. If it's unless it's really bad, unless it's like unbearable, mm, mm-hmm. which I'm trying to think of an example and uh, I'm having trouble, I'm having trouble thinking of an example of like really bad voice acting. Eh. Yeah, I, um, I, I whenever I'm posed with this question, it's like, I, I don't know the worst show that I've seen that has the worst dub or the worst sub even when, when I. OK, <clears throat> I can think of a really grating voice performance that makes it extremely difficult. 
I for me a, to enjoy something. I have something. a feeling I know which one you're going to say. I have mentioned it before. It's uh, it, it's Edward and Alphonse in Film Metal Alchemist. <laughs> I, 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 they're, I, I, they are both unbearable. Like, and it's both of them. It'd be one thing if there was one main character that was kind of irritating. I think maybe I could get over it, but they share so many scenes where it's just them and they don't recast them for their <laughs> flashback scenes. So you've got like 45 year old Vic Mignogna doing in like a, a five year old's voice. And it's like, just kill me. Just, just end my life. You've got, you've got Broly. You've got the voice of Broly doing a five. It's like, could you have miscast this harder? By the, the way, fact this that is, Alphonse is just irritating the whole time. This has been a constant staple of Tim's uh, vendetta against Full Metal Alchemist. I can't finish it because I hate it so much. And then uh, the the dub, or I mean, sorry, the sub, Alphonse is still infuriating. It's like, oh, well, this was the source material. I guess this is the inspiration for how bad that is. Like, why? Why did you make his voice horrible? I, and why, why was I have, that the decision? I have never had any qualms against their voices. <laughs> There's one scene in particular that was like traumatic to me. Like it's never left my brain. It's the first thing I think of when someone mentions Full Metal Alchemist. And it's where uh, Edward's like, he's like got some kind of injury or something. He's in like a hospital bed or something like that. Mm -hmm. But they're talking about some food that someone made for them. And Alphonse is talking about how he's, he wants to put it on his list of things to try when he gets his body back. Mm -hmm. And Edward says, yeah, put it right at the top of the list. The delivery of that line. Like <laughs> it makes my brain skip a beat. It's so <laughs> awful. Like it's so unbearable. It's the, it's the most cringe I've ever felt. Like how did no one say, Hey, let's give that one more take. Maybe. One more take. And maybe let's recast him after that. Like if, if the take could be that bad, maybe we should start over. Like it was so horrible. Like amidst the whole like controversy that like Vic Mignogna went through where like he had like accusations of sexual assault or whatever. In the back of my head, I was like, I want to, you know, assume innocent till proven guilty. But man, do I wish he's never allowed to do that again. <laughs> like in the back of my head I'm like maybe it's okay this guy loses employment over a lie <laughs> cuz it, it's like it's like getting it's like getting Al Capone on tax evasion <laughs> down on a technicality right it's like eh, you know maybe this is for the best <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, anyway, it really has to be like Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood bad in order for me to like be bothered by it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's like, especially, I don't know who said this. Or maybe I do know and I don't want to say where I heard it from. But <laughs> sci-fi kind of, it gets to have bad acting mm. for me. Like, I like sci-fi so much that like, 
And it's sci-fi's kind of thing where it just always has had bad acting. Yeah. Like it's it's extremely uncommon. Like you have to get like James Cameron making Alien in order to get good acting in your thing. And even then, Alien isn't known for its acting. Neither is Terminator. Like the, right. the greatest sci-fi stories. And then you get to like uh, you know, Star Trek, Star Wars. None of this stuff has great acting. So, yeah, they're all kind of they're all kind of right on the edge. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, even when you get David Lynch making Dune, it's like it, the acting's still not great. It's like something about even though David Lynch, who could like cast anyone he wanted to, mm-hmm. because he's doing sci-fi, it's like there's just I think I think actors who take themselves seriously just don't want to do it. Yeah. And it's kind of like how uh, it's like Obi-Wan, the guy that played Obi-Wan in the original trilogy mm-hmm. or well, I guess the first two movies, he like didn't like that he was doing Star Wars. He like resented it. I, to be fair, I he you know, did like Bridge and River Kwai. So, yeah, no, no, he, he resented working on that whole project. Huh. But anyway, you're going to say something. Oh, oh, I was just going to say you were, you were talking about like the the actors that don't take themselves seriously. And it's also like even if they do take themselves seriously, it's like sometimes they just can't really put themselves in the mindset of some alien race. <laughs> I would say that's a bad actor. Uh, I, this is also a perspective that I've developed over the years where it's like going through film school, watching all of this crap and then it's like the the obsession with method actors it's like oh you're just a bad actor <laughs> like if you have to be method you're just bad at acting maybe you should do something else it's like if you have to live this if you have to go through all this trouble just to make sure you i don't know don't mess up a line it's like i think you're just a bad actor and then like uh Gosh, just i watched tropic thunder <laughs> Yes, and that was great. That was making fun of right, people right. who were method. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, if we're just talking about like acting, mm-hmm. acting is just unable to get in the way of sci-fi for me. Gotcha. And maybe it's just because I've been conditioned that way because sci-fi has just always had very weak acting. Yeah, but, I don't know. It was just for for some reason it was this this watch in particular. Like the the previous times that I've watched Gurren Lagann, I've never had any issues with the English dub. But this was the first time that like I decided to give it a shot. And this was before like this was maybe five minutes into the first episode. I was like, you know, I've watched this so many times on the English dub. And I was like, let me let me try it on the Japanese. I switched over to the Japanese for literally 30 seconds and was like, no, I, I need those voices back. So I went back to the English <laughs> dub. Well, it's funny is the movies are Japanese only. Right. <clears throat> so I get I end up getting both regardless. Yeah. And I uh, oh, gosh, I I need to watch the movies after uh, Gurren Lagann. Like after I watch the show, the movies are necessary for me. Well, how about that? We'll, we'll just we'll make it a ten parter. We'll we'll watch the two movies. Yeah, all right. After we finish the show, uh, because there's enough to talk about in there. Mm-hmm. There's enough of uh, the changes or whatever. But anyway, to like get back on task and try to keep us back on task, we can just start going through the episodes themselves. Yeah, so episode one and, uh, is the pit. <laughs> yeah, and episode one is just like 
It's crazy. Episode one is like the best paced episode of TV ever. Yeah, I was like, I was when I was watching it, it was like when um, the the rapid fire, it's like I forgot how many things happened just in that first episode. Mm -hmm. Like it sets up so many things. It blows my mind that it's (gasps) only as long as it is. Mm -hmm. Like it blows my mind that it stops at the point that it does where it's like I that was like a movie. I just saw an entire movie. Yeah. And what's funny is uh, the movies themselves change nothing about the beginning. Like you just get episode one exactly the way you got it. And then it starts like, you know, chopping it up just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like everything up to that point where they like land Mm -hmm. is unchanged. I think maybe they trim up the parts at night. They definitely trimmed up the parts where, um, like I didn't remember all the parts, uh, like at night in, um, the other village. Like I did not remember. Lintner. Yeah. I didn't remember like the, the dinner conversations and things like that. It's not as important. And, uh, it's also not in the movie. So I guess they also didn't think it was as important, mm-hmm. but huh. what was crazy is I know we're going to get to the point where we're talking about the show's biggest flaw, which is its pacing. Mm-hmm. It really gets choppy and ineffective and frustrating. Yes. Uh, it, it gets there, but the first episode has none of that, which almost makes me think was kill a kill less a response to what they learned from Gurren Lagann, or was it a situation where Gurren Lagann just didn't need to be 27 episodes and they were made to make 27 episodes. Yeah. Cause clearly it was there like the talent, the, the ability to tell a well-paced story was on full display mm-hmm. and like do it in a way where you spend enough time on things to where they, they like hit to their memorable. They have the space they need, like they can breathe because like the, the nighttime scene, like, God, okay. So uh, I have plenty of themes that I, really need to start getting to mm-hmm. but uh, in particular the nighttime scene where Kamina talks about even at night this place is full of lights right none of that felt like it was just killing time it was like this f- is extremely necessary I would say yeah they like, it's like ha- there's so much that th- it must have gone through so many iterations that they were able to trim it down to its absolute essence yeah uh there, there's the point where the chief is about to send them back to jail mm-hmm. or at least Kamina back to jail and everything gets interrupted by the quake and i remember thinking wait did they not actually get sent back to jail and it was because the scene does enough legwork to be like your brain has already accepted that, you know, they would go back to jail and you kind of know what would happen if they're just going to get back in the hole. Yeah. And it like the, the scene plays itself out and then it's like, okay, well we're done with that scene. We don't need to show them going back to jail. We can start things up right now with like the next scene. 
Yeah. Like them, them going back to jail would not add anything. It's all like this, this scene, them getting stopped by the chief again. It's already done. It's, it's already done all the work so we can just move on. Yeah. Now. It doesn't assume that you're an idiot. <clears throat> well, it also assumes that you've been paying attention. Yeah. Which is uh, something that it's not just taking your audience's intelligence seriously, which is uncommon, especially in animation. Or, well, okay. No, it's not uncommon in anime. So that's not even a point worth bringing up. But uh, I guess uh, storytelling overall, especially recently, modern storytelling, doesn't treat you like you aren't an idiot. But then it also, one, it assumes you're an idiot. And two, it assumes you haven't been watching. Yeah, so it tries to recap you as as frequently as it can. Yeah, it, it assumes you're on your phone, which I mean, this the, people get on their phone because you're boring them. So people get on their phone it's, it's because a, they are boring. It's a solution that creates its own problem. Right. Yeah. And if someone's on their phone, then uh, you don't need them. You don't need their attention. If you're doing things right, this is what this irritates me about people talking about, you know, how audiences are getting dumber. I'm like, the audience d- didn't just get dumb. Like you have to hold the attention of the people that you're trying to get the attention of. Yeah. And Word of mouth from those people will, you know, help their friend or sibling or or spouse that's in the room sit through it with them. Like you at least have to get their attention. Yeah. And uh, nothing keeps anyone's attention these days because it keeps stopping to clarify things or stopping for the Chinese translation to scroll past the screen. Like. (laughs) That's what it's waiting for. Right. That's, that's how pacing is determined now is you're either an idiot or you don't speak the language and you're an idiot. But uh, there's none of that here. There's there's not even a fragment like it, this came out. I want to say in. Uh, it's late, late 2000s. Mm-hmm. When this came out, it was 2006, uh, me, 2007. I just had it up and I closed it. I don't know why. I'm going to need to keep that open. Yeah, we're you're probably going to keep referencing it. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm going to keep talking about this stuff just because I, I want to point out that there's something unique about where this show lands. 2007. Yeah. So there's two uh, art styles that you there, there's like, uh, I guess, two mainstream art styles that you can find by looking at Arc System Works uh, original fighting games. You've got Guilty Gear, which is everything before the year 2000. And then you've got Blaze Blue, which is everything since 2010. Like mm. those are those art styles mm-hmm. crystallized right there. And there's a reason why a lot of people don't like Blaze Blue's art style and why Zoomers love it, because it's all Zoomers know. And mm. it's kind of made for them. Yeah. And Guilty Gear is beloved by people like my age and older, like people in their 30s. They like love Guilty Gear because it's the stuff that they used to watch, but in like super high fidelity and like bleeding edge technology. And that's a uh, um, Daisuke Shiwatari, like basically making anime that he already liked when he was a kid. And then Blaze Blue is him trying to appeal to a different audience. Mm. <clears throat> so you can see those two styles there. The aughts right in between are in a really weird spot because like everything in the nineties was like gritty and had like, like people's outfits 
look very detailed Mm -hmm. in the 90s. Then you get to modern time where everything is really streamlined and it's like easy um, to draw, easy to draw uh, or quick to draw. Mm -hmm. And it's like everything is like like the 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 outlines are thinner because it's like higher resolution or whatever. Um, Characters basically boil down to a hair color. And then all of their body types and like face types are like just interchangeable. Maybe they'll have like different irises or something. Yeah. That's the modern style. And then you get the aughts in between. And Gurren Lagan is like, its colors feel like they don't fit in either very well. Because yeah. it's got it's got like a grittiness. It's got, you know, like thick black outlines and all that. Uh there's like this ragtag feel that was so prominent in the nineties. But then like you look at their clothing and it's like mostly one color, like one piece of clothing will just be like, well, the jacket is blue. There's like a red stripe, but it's a blue jacket. And then communist Cape is just this big red thing on screen. Right. And there's like not a lot of detail on the clothes or in the hair or in anything. Uh, then you'll get, little snippets where the mechs are extremely detailed. Like they've got all this, like lighting, all these lighting effects that are all over them. Yeah. And, and they like, like detail really all the nooks and crannies. Yeah. Yeah. And that feels like a send up to like nineties mech stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they'll get all bendy and squishy and they won't have hardly any detail at all. They'll be like really cartoony, almost chibi. Yeah. Like right after, uh, right after they tried to combine, and like the head was on crooked. Like that scene is what I think of yes. when you're talking about like the not detailed mechs. Right. And it's like, it's for comedic effect. Mm-hmm. I mean, they know where to do that. They, they prove that aggressively in kill a kill is they know where to cut spending because kill a kill had like one, one hundredth of Grunlaghan's budget. But, uh, yeah, <clears throat> I'm t- like if you just look at the basic character designs, like if you go to the poster or like the uh, the the shot where they're all standing there in the intro, mm-hmm. which is pretty detailed, like that's an intro. You're going to be able to reuse that animation multiple times so you can just, you know, make it as detailed as you want. Yeah, they're not super dense with detail. They're actually quite simple in their design. Yeah, and it. And it's easier for um, it's easier to like draw your eye to the most important things on them rather than just I mean, like with Kamina, you're not looking at his cape as often as you're looking on at the emblem on his cape or his face or like his freaking tattoos, the sword that's freaking the length of Tibet. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, the sword bigger than Rhode Island. (laughs) But like, and, and then they have uh, eyewear, which draws your eyes because it's like a second set of eyes. Mm-hmm. Like Kamina always has the goggles on top of his head. That's why you that's mean, a popular design choice. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Simone. That's why that's a popular design choice mm-hmm. is because it's like a second set of eyes. Your eyes are drawn to eyes. Uh, and then you're all your eyes are also drawn to fire. Yeah. So like. uh Kamina's cape like or just the logo the team Gurren logo looks like a flame and that automatically draws your eyes yeah it's 
it's not oversimplified. I feel like by the time we got to the aughts and onward, things got a little oversimplified. Yeah, it feels like it's simplified in the best way. Yeah. Uh, Kill a Kill is slightly more detailed, I would say, than Gurren Lagann. Gurren Lagann is a little more relaxed. Or, well, I don't know. Maybe Kill a Kill in places. But then I think of Mako's design, and she's like... The most plain. On an an oblong. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, I don't know. I I think it's... Maybe it's just a result of th- this show specifically mm-hmm. is just it has such stellar talent working on it that me trying to categorize it and put it into, well, this is this era and this is this era. It's kind of like, no, I think this is just people who know what they're doing. Yeah. Like regardless of the time period. Yeah. And the the, the character design is phenomenal. Yes. Like they, the, the use of colors. Like the the use of proportions, all of it communicates like immediately, and they're like easy to follow the movements of, and it's fun to watch their movements. Mm-hmm. And then they have like you know their bits of secondary animation, which is like Kamina has the cape, Simone has the jacket, Yoko has the hair. It's like they've mm-hmm. got something behind them that can like add that extra bit of movement even when they stop moving or when they're standing still yeah and it like it continues the movement it shows the momentum of the scene yeah right it's great uh and then there's the fact that the mechs just they don't have those elements because they're all metal so they're just especially blobby Mm -hmm. it's funny how the mechs are more blobby than the blob the blob people (laughs) it's like squishy humans are less squishy than gurren mechs which are also the hardest thing in existence because they, they pierce through everything. Right. Especially those drills, man. Every scene with a drill, it's, it's like obsessive care went into it. Yes. The, the like, first scene where like the don't touch my brother and then the, the drill like ripping apart the arm uh-huh. like that is that, oh, I love it. <laughs> well, also, in, in episode one, where it's like the drill is going up into the uh, the first gunman that falls in and yeah. it's like slowly pushing him up. And it's like the most animated in flashing thing is the drill. Like they want you to focus on the drill like this is important. Yes. And then it's so hard the, to talk about this without talking about the ending. Yeah, I know. I'm, tr- I'm trying I'm happens. trying to keep it like zoned into just these three episodes, but like when uh when Simone uh, gets right up under that um the gunman and pushes him up through the hole that fell down into the village. Um mm-hmm. and like the smoke, smoke, yeah. <laughs> right. The the smoke, now, this it's such an all fronts war. The the show's sound effects and its music are incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, here's the thing about sci-fi. <laughs> Acting may not be so great most of the time, but the sound effects are like the best you've ever heard. Yes. And that's like across the board consistent. Like, I mean, starting with Star Wars onward, like the sound effects and the music are incredible in sci-fi. And I don't know why that is. Like, there was a podcast I was listening to where they were also saying they don't know why, but they were like, why did... 
Why, why does sci-fi seem to capture the imagination of creative people so much? Like when you're not writing for an audience, when you just want to like, like good writers, when they just want to write something, mm-hmm. they're drawn to sci-fi. Uh, seems like more so than fantasy. Fantasy is almost like, cause fantasy is just more popular. Mm-hmm. So fantasy, very conventional. People go with conventions when it comes to fantasy, but sci-fi is where like everything seems to be way more passionate. Yeah. Like, you read Dune and it's like, this is an extremely passionate project from this writer, which what's his name? Frank Herbert. Frank. I was going to say it's Frank something. Yeah. Frank Herbert. Uh, clearly a very talented person by the time he wrote Dune, but like Dune, there's like, there's just energy to it. Mm-hmm. And there's an energy in all of the presentation for Gurren Lagann. Like the, the the way the smoke is animated is just like that wasn't necessary. No, but it's just like it exudes this feeling that you, you're excited to be here because everyone who was working on this was having a great time. Yeah, like and at the top of their game and enjoying it. And one of the one of the things that I, I wanted to mention earlier when you're talking about like the show just doesn't waste time. Um, I remember noticing it. I would say the episode does not waste. Time, yes. Yeah. 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 Um, there there's a moment in particular and it's when uh, it's when they're running away and like running through the village around the mech. And it's like, this is where you're getting the exposition. Like, this is where you're getting the little bits of information in this really well animated, like them escaping scene. And like when she calls down after Kamina, like, I'm a woman, (laughs) dude, that whole sequence when it's them like sneaking around and you're Mm -hmm. getting these these telescopic lens like shots where it's like you're seeing them in the foreground in focus and then it's like this deep thick depth of field with the gunman yeah. in the background that's just like filling the frame while moving really slowly that stuff is like it's just visual sex <laughs> like it's so it's so just gushing mm-hmm. with just like oh this looks so good yeah and and it's it's just a scene with their like dialogue it's in between action scenes where it's showing you this it's like just pure relentless eye candy mm-hmm. even in the slow moments like i was talking about the night scene it's got like all the stars and like the scene composition is so visually appealing like that just scene of them like kind of relaxing in Logon or like leaning up against Logon where like Leanron is introduced. Mm-hmm. It's so just, it's so easy to look at. It's easy to look at in a way that I don't yet know how to describe. I, maybe I'll never figure it out, but it's the way that I describe Halo 3's art style mm-hmm. where it's just, it, it's got these, this kind of like, um, it's 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 got kind of a glow to it not just not just a visual glow like it a metaphorical glow is what the art style conveys the art style is pregnant hmm 
I don't know about that way of wording it, but I'm not sure you're 100% wrong because that's a good way of describing to people. Because when people say that pregnant women glow, yeah, yeah, I was not thinking about that. And that is the exact same thing. I arrived at a thing that already exists. So like, yeah, no, like, like the way pregnant women look, like the way they look, that's different from regular people. Right. That's how Halo 3 feels compared to other sci-fi games, and that's how Gurren Lagann feels compared to other, I don't know, other anime, just in general, just anime in general. It glows in a way that Kill a Kill doesn't glow. Yeah, and I think that the, that has mainly to do with the difference in color palettes between this show and that Kill a Kill. Be it. Because like, Kill, Kill a Kill, Kill is Kill mostly is like, like industrial colors. Yeah, it's crimson red everywhere, mm-hmm. and like... Uh, the the contrast to the red, like on, um, dang it, what's his name? Sinketsu. Sinketsu, yeah, like that deep navy, mm-hmm. almost like, black. Yeah, 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 it's very harsh. <laughs> it's very like, uh, it's way less subtle. Mm-hmm. Gurren more subtle. Gurren like has some pastels in there, like teals and purples and stuff, which. Actually, so does Halo 3. But um, the way the lighting is handled. It's always sunset. Know, it's, it's like I, whenever I think of Gurren Lagann, I think of sunset. Yeah, you think of those long shadows, mm-hmm. those long chiaroscuro shadows. Yeah, the crazy but skies, like, the the orange sun. Yeah, it's like all of, it's so dramatic. Mm-hmm. It's so juicy. But it's not over the top. It, it's not like. I say eye candy, but it, there's no sugar rush in Gurren Lagann. Mm, that's a good I way of it's putting rich. it. Yeah, it's rich, but it's not overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It's just, God, it just, it's just right. Like <laughs> It's it's right where it needs to be, and it's so good. I, I literally cannot get enough of the way Gurren Lagann looks, which is shocking when you get to episode four. And yes, that is the episode. Okay, it's yeah. It's like, this looks different. <laughs> But yeah, um, I was surprised at how like nicely these uh, these three episodes kind of just built up that first. It's like the inciting incident. It's like now we know what we're doing. We know where we're going. And it's like it was a nice, cohesive, short little story. And we and we also set up Virgil. I mean, Viral. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we also got the introduce <laughs> the introduction of the rival character who it's funny I, I i audibly laughed at this scene for the first time ever when he holds up that like flying tanuki bird thing or whatever <laughs> and it has two arrows in it and it's a white arrow and a black arrow i like laughed out loud <laughs> i'm like man this was a lot of the stuff's really on the nose like they're basically saying this is the rival character. <laughs> this is this is the yin to common as yang. Yeah, I love Viral. <laughs> yeah, Viral is a fantastic character. His theme song is so freaking nostalgic to me because it sounds like it sounds like a theme song that a character would get at exactly that time. <laughs> like it sounds like this, this is the rival character. He, he's going to sound like a song by Mudvayne or something. <laughs> it's like right around 2007 is when Viral gets this theme song. Exactly. Uh. It's perfect. It's got that like, um, 
that hyper compressed vocal yep. in there. Yep. A, a really um a, a very we'll say uh <laughs> disturbed slash slipknot opening riff. I I'm having like, like I'm having trouble remembering guy. the the beginning of it, but I remember the middle of it specifically because You'll, of the fights. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's got that cool, the, the, um, almost like a hip hop. It's almost freaking Limp Biscuit. Like it's a freaking Limp Biscuit song. <laughs> Viral is the edgy, is the edgy anti-hero. Well, not anti-hero yet, but he is that character. He's going to get a Limp, Limp Biscuit song. Mm-hmm. He's Shadow the Hedgehog, which oh. is a very mean thing to say. <laughs> but he kind of is. <laughs> Uh, and of course, I mean, we get he's like one of my best, one of my favorite mech designs. Mm-hmm. He gets one of my favorite ones. And then his head gets a imme- or his his second head gets immediately crushed. Yeah. Uh, also, that scene, the, the shot where it like shows Gurren Lagan or it shows Gurren walking towards him. And it's like that that once again, eye candy mm-hmm. where it's like you look like you put a lens miles away and is like extremely telescopic. Then you put it on a dolly and moved it one inch. And it's just like all the out of focus trees and mountains moving really fast. Mm -hmm. And then you're like slowly panning around the mechs, which is totally like has its knees taken out by the fact that (laughs) Viral's mech's jaws are just slapping open, like <laughs> in sync with what he's saying. I love it. Looks re- I love watching the mouths move, like when they're talking. Yeah, they're just fun. It's always goofy. It's it's always goofy, but even when it isn't, like there's a couple times, like during the during the fighting, that like um, that Lagon's mouth will move with Simone's and. Oh, yeah. Well, Logon looks cool. Yeah. Logon looks like like a regular face, whereas all the like the the um, the torso faces all look kind of silly. Yeah, I do. I do think that Gurren's is the coolest, though. Well, yes, obviously (laughs) it's got sunglasses on, (laughs) but doesn't have a choice. But it's like when when I see their mouth, like when I see the 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 mech's mouths moving, it it makes me attach with them more. Like it makes me see them as like what they are, which is the extension of the character that is driving them. It's like, yeah, they're personified. It's like you, you, you less see them as big robots and more as just, Oh, they're, they're just a bigger body now. It's also funny because it's a flex in the, con- in the context of animation. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like oh yeah. You hide the character in a mech so you don't have to animate him talking. Yeah. It's like the dude in uh kill a kill with the little turtleneck that right. opens. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's closed. So we don't have to animate the mouth except when he talks, it opens up to show his <laughs> mouth. Like it's funny because it's like, ha, they don't even have to do that. And they're doing it anyway. It's like, it's, it's like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm so I football season started again recently mm-hmm. and for whatever reason I'm watching it. But it's like when you laugh when someone is just really good. Mm-hmm. Like they're so good they're just like trampling dudes. Like there were there was a play, I don't remember what game it was or even who it was. I wish I could remember. But dude 
did two stiff arms before going into the end zone. Like a defender comes flying at him. He just stopped the guy with one hand and put him on the ground. And then he did the exact same thing again. Jeez. And it was just, it was like so overwhelmingly beyond these guys, this athletic level. Mm-hmm. Like it made me laugh because it's just funny to see someone get blown away. So it's like some version of that happens when this group, like Imaishi's team, when they just do something that's it just embarrasses what is expected of anime. Yeah. Or if, or if this is a really stupid example for me, when you were talking about that, it reminded me of uh, the underwater fight scene in top secret. <laughs> It's like, yeah, that was hilarious. Like, this was not expected of you at all, but like, right. no movie would do this. <laughs> no comedy would do this. That was, that's what's man. When, when I watch like a modern comedy where it's basically they had some cameras, they put them on tripods, and then for two hours they watched the actors riff, and it's just, it's just dreck. Mm-hmm. Like, Top Secret <laughs> is a movie. That's funny. Yes. It's it's like just because it's a comedy doesn't mean you have to phone it in, guys. Come on. <laughs> it's like just because this is an over the top, you know, mech show doesn't mean it has to be phoned in. Right. Because I mean, mecha anime, they always I sh- I say they always do well. That's probably not accurate. It's probably I just know of the really popular ones. Mm-hmm. And there seem to be a lot of them. It's also a genre that just basically doesn't exist outside of anime yeah i mean like so. we've got like what pacific rim yeah that's basically it and pacific rim was a flop yeah so yeah maybe i'm wrong about that like you know you've got gundam you've got evangelion you've got gunbuster gurn Logon. they've all done well but it's also you know that's the cream of the crop so maybe that's my normie perception i haven't watched enough uh filler mech anime <laughs> yeah but it it is a thing where it's like this kind of has an established audience, I guess I'll say. And when something has an established audience, that tends to give uh, license to phone bits in because yeah. like, well, they're they're going to be watching regardless. Yeah, and it's like also you're also working off established rules, and so like you can imply more by cutting corners. Well, and I, I I'm not I wouldn't call that cutting corners in some. Or but be your yeah you're but you're building off like, of the you're building off of what's already been established and so because of that you're not going to put in uh, specific legwork to your story it's just like yeah you know that this is what happens here because you've watched all of this other stuff yeah for an extreme example there's no reason anyone should put Batman's origin in a Batman movie ever again right everyone knows it it is it has such cultural saturation that if anyone didn't know and they saw the most recent Batman movie, they weren't going to like the Batman movie. Yeah. Like there was, if this person doesn't already know about crime alley, like they're so checked out from the culture that they, they would not even be able to understand a superhero film. Yeah, it's probably just the person who tagged along because the person they really like wanted to see this movie. Yeah, this is someone's aunt who's been watching Sex and the City reruns for the past 30 and years. Gilmore Girls. Yes. 
like showing her Batman's origin story is not going to change anything. <laughs> but it's one of those things. It's like uh, the this mech genre. They don't have to show you why the mechs work. Like that was Gundam's job, and Gundam did it. <laughs> like yes. we don't we don't have to show you. Oh, they've got stabilizers to keep them, even though they're bipedal. You know, it's like only humans can like really it's like being bipedal isn't efficient at that size. Right. And uh, this is the reason why we did it. And like, this is how it's being accomplished. Gurren doesn't need to do that. Not at all. Yeah. It, Just show them, hold the controls. That's it. All right. He's controlling it. Yeah. They almost call that out. It's like, how did you pilot this one? He's like, I don't know. I just grabbed the controls and I felt it. Great. That's what I'll do. <laughs> Yeah, which is almost kind of a theme that I could get into. I think it's amazing how much we've just kind of rambled. Yeah, we've rambled for a full hour. It is it is really easy Be, because of our history with this. It's like we can just <laughs> pick one thing and it'll just tree into a ton of different things that we could just ramble on. OK, how much time do you have left? I probably just have to get breakfast started at like 6 no 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 the like 6 45 7 o'clock well we'll we'll say we'll give ourselves 20 more minutes and i'm gonna actually try to consciously work through my notes here did you have any notes uh, i actually just wanted to just watch <laughs> like just just take it in yeah. i feel that uh i started that way but after a certain point, I was scrambling for my notebook because I was like, I want to write this down. Mm, mm. So th it was important enough to me. <clears throat> so I like the way, first of all, uh, just we're, I'm going to stop mentioning it. The pacing is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. It's excellent. The way that the story is told, at least in these first three episodes, mm -hmm. technically, it's it's like technically flawless, which is why it blows my mind that people think that this is like you know, a dumb show. It's like, no, it's an effective show. You don't have to think about it in order to get it because it's correct. It is being correctly conveyed. Yes. But Simone is established <clears throat> as the lowest end of the lowest totem pole. Like, and it does it in like a few seconds. Underground. Like, uh, right. He's underground and he has to dig. Like he has to go through the dirt. He has to dig. And if he does well enough the chief which he name drops he's like okay i'm below this guy we'll give him pig mole steaks which doesn't sound good like the choice of pig mole it's like that doesn't sound delicious yeah the way that it's told to you and then you know when it shows him come out of the hole and he's like the the chief where he just talked about you know he's really good at it the chief doesn't even call him by name or even address him he says why can't you guys be more like that guy it's like oh this dialogue is doing such a good job mm -hmm. because it's like he doesn't even see fit to call him by his name like claude oh simone he's so good at it because that would give you a totally different vibe yeah it was it was more just like <laughs> unknown dude who i do dealings with every now and again you should be like him yeah like simone's a total loser right at the start mm -hmm. And it doesn't show him as like, 
at no point does it does it show this as something he should be commended for which is uh rather different from you know um well i mean if we just keep it within the realm of anime you go to isekai where Mm. the heroes are always insufferable irredeemable losers and this is shown as society's fault yeah and you know isekai protagonists are supposed to be uh self inserts for the losers that uh they're made for where it's like yeah you didn't do anything wrong uh you know it was your parents that raised you wrong which i mean i sure that could be it <laughs> but it's like fair point <laughs> well, it's yeah but but at no point do, do those shows be like okay well you you kind of should get over that right like you you should change you should outgrow that uh <clears throat> You've got Evangelion, which was basically made about those exact people. But Evangelion uh, is extremely hateful towards them. Hmm. Like it's like it it despises them and doesn't want them to be redeemed. Even it it will give them a chance to redeem them just to kick them back down again. Like Hmm. (laughs) Evangelion is a hate letter to the audience that Isekai is made for. And Isekai is just like. Uh, pandering to them so it's the total opposite it's not trying to improve them it's just it just wants their money for their merchandise it just wants them to buy anime figurines yes gross whereas whereas it like Gurren Lagann establishes that kind of person like total very bottom of the totem pole and this totem pole isn't even on the actual totem pole that you have to get onto. This totem pole is literally be... the part that they dug into the ground so that the totem pole wouldn't fall over. <laughs> yes, it's it's he's quite literally underground, and uh, his only job is digging around. It's not even digging up. It's not even his goal. Like the the person at the top of the hierarchy is also underground, mm-hmm. and like for him to ascend. He cannot go up like it has to be like a lateral ascension per se. Yeah. At best. So it's like there's not only is he like in a terrible spot as far as like status, but like the only clear path, like the, the only clear way forward is just sort of maintenance. Like it's just staying where you are. Yeah. Maintenance and like, um, just working within your own confines. And like, I mean, like he was digging and digging and digging. He started, I mean, the way that they showed him digging, it was like, he wasn't even digging the way that they were wanting him to dig. It was just, he was just digging randomly. And then he would stumble Uh across things and it's like, Ooh, that's neat. Yeah. And also, uh, I love the animation style they use for when they're showing them digging. Yeah, It's very robotic. Yes. Like it's, it's very, it's very the opposite of everything else in Grand Lagon, mm-hmm. which is all bouncy and fluid and asymmetrical and irregular. It's just like very static. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, uh, right after that, he bumps into Kamina and Kamina should be lower on the totem pole. Like, you know, getting thrown into prison. The chief hates him, but Kamina isn't. At the bottom of the totem pole. Kamina is kind of... He rejects that totem pole. And he has like... 
he he has a few guys that are following him around, mm-hmm. like doing what he tells them to. And Simone doesn't, which I think is a funny little contrast that you, it just quickly goes by where it's like Simone is liked by the, he's at least tolerated and rewarded by the chief for doing what he's told. Right. But then he like is hunched over and quiet and girls think he's icky. And then he bumps into Kamina <laughs> and Kamina is such a, a giant of a man, right? Like his personality is just like when Yoko says, I don't know. Or she's like, I don't know where he gets his confidence. Mm-hmm. It's like, he, there's really no reason for him to have the confidence, but now that he has it, he can't lose it. Yeah. And it's like, and he can't do nothing with it. He has to do something with it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <clears throat> uh and, and the chief can't get to Kamina. Right. Like there's there's nothing the chief could do or say that would surprise Kamina. And I mean <laughs> it's funny to reference this. It's such a stark contrast, but one of the best parts of the worst parts of Rick and Morty. There's a line from Rick where he turns to a booing crowd <laughs> and goes, your boos mean nothing to me. I've seen what makes you cheer. And then the every breath is, I take. Oh gosh, what is it? I can't remember that. That's the only that's part my favorite that like, one. has really stuck. Gosh, what is it? It's so good. I, I, I don't know what follows after, after oh it, honestly. My gosh. That, that's the part that, that has become mimetic where people just say it even when they, if they don't know where it came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a really good line, especially for this time. I'm not going to say any more detail other than that, but uh, kind of being unfazed by the masses booing you. Like, Kamin is unfazed by the chief, like, beating him over the Sorry, head. Sorry, I had I had to it. look it up. I had to look it up because it is okay. my favorite line of that, uh, probably of the entire show. But it is, every breath I take without your permission raises my self-esteem. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah, that's great. But like the the important part, I would say, is your booze mean nothing to me. I've seen right, what yes. makes you cheer. It's like Kamina sees what the chief approves of, mm-hmm. and it's and it's like it's so far removed. It doesn't even show up on the radar. Yeah, it's like this is what the, this guy wants to stay underground. Like it's he, he's the crab in an open barrel. Yeah. He, anyone who tries to get out, he's pulling them back down. It's like, no, don't. That's bad. Don't approve your situation. Yeah. Like, we're all in this together. The, right. Oh, yeah. That one. We're all in this together. <laughs> the little tyrant. Hey, I guess that was a, that made it a little bit more poignant, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just there's plenty of notes where I'm just gushing over the cuts like the editing mm-hmm. and like the way things are framed that that shot that's where it looks like if you just which once again this is not based off of a manga it very much Imaishi's direction style is inspired by film yeah I was about to say but, it's very filmic yeah th- there's that that part where it looks like the camera was like basically the guy's just laying on the ground in communist sort of in frame but you're mostly seeing the ceiling 
Mm-hmm. And it's when Kamina is, you know, talking about he's going to go to the surface, you know, where where his dad is. Yeah. And it's like he's in frame and then there's just the ceiling and it's like occupying most of the frame. It's so good. It's so well done. Yeah. But anyway, um, <clears throat> I was going to point out, it's like this is a youth revolt. Like Kamina almost literally says that. This is he's like, it, it's a youthful um, defeat. Yeah. That they're stuck down here. It's like you've got the old balding overweight chief who is talking about he's not doing this out of the goodness of his heart. It's his duty to do this. Right. <clears throat> Very much, you know, just trying to shift blame. And uh, it's your fault for being orphans and being in my care. Right. <clears throat> like, uh, you know, I, I he's only here because it's destined for him to be here. Right. Like, this is just the way things are. He, he he isn't the one keeping you down. I didn't choose this either. Down. Right. <clears throat> and uh, he has to he's going to try to keep the. Uh, the, the younger generations from going any further than he's been allowed to. Right. And, uh, Oh gosh, it's so hard for me to not get ahead of myself. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. This is, uh, the tone that is set. Like he is the microcosm of the microcosm. Right. He's the, He's he's he is where this starts and that whole you can basically sum up the entire show there mm-hmm. and without naming names of generations. I'm pretty sure anyone who knows anyone who knows the names of the generations is going to know which one he's supposed to be a metaphor for, <laughs> <laughs> which I mean, no offense to them, but there is a reason people will think of them first when they see this guy. Right. Uh, and, you know, this came out in 2007, so it was kind of kind of was about them. Yeah. Um, Imaishi, I'm pretty sure he is Gen X. So you kind of know which one he sees himself as. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's pretty accurate. I would say if we're just going off of like the broad stereotypes and the fact that this is framed as generational warfare. Yeah, it's like you're you're not letting the people that came after you, you're not letting your own descendants uh, reach any level beyond you for here's, you know, whatever number of reasons for the for the chief. It's just, you know, he's basically saying this is our lot in life. Yeah. Yeah. He's like saying the thing you're talking about doesn't exist. So, you know, you're delusional, even though. Kamina already saw it. Yeah. So once again, it's like uh, this guy can do nothing to Kamina specifically because Kamina knows better. And whether the chief knows that there's a surface, it it doesn't really matter whether the chief thinks that he's lying or not. Like that's not actually the problem. Like if it turned out the chief knew about the surface, it doesn't really change what the issue is. It doesn't really change why they need to, you know, rage against this particular machine. Right. 
I mean, he could be ignorant or he could be malevolent. It gets the same result. Is yeah. the point. Yeah. And and the actual problem is that sort of rigidity that does not allow things to evolve. It doesn't allow things the opportunity to progress. Which is why I would say Gurren Lagann is a very progressive story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very revolutionary. <laughs> yeah. It like th- this is, you know, uh, it, and it's kind of um, it rails against that famous quote from C.S. Lewis. Where he says, don't tear down the fence until you know why it's there. That's exactly what Kamina and Simone do the entirety of the show. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, you know, shoot first, ask questions later. It's uh, this thing is keeping me in here and I don't know why. And that's why I'm going to destroy it. Yeah. And, you know, I'll figure out why later. And. um, There's a lot I could get into there. I would I would say my worldview has changed so much from Gurren Lagann and has then changed so much since Gurren Lagann. Yeah. Where I, you know, I, I'm first of all, I'm getting closer in age to the chief with every year. That's just you know, a scary getting, feeling. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I'm getting further and further from the age of the heroes, which, you know, at some point, you know, uh, at some point, uh, you know, you're, I was like right between Simon and Kamina. Yeah. Now it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, that's the past. But it's almost as if Gurren Lagann, and I, it's hard to talk about the show as a whole. I kind of shouldn't be doing that. But this, this kind of conflict and getting out of Jiha Village mm-hmm. is a microcosm for the show as a whole. So, you know, it's a pattern that, you know, establishes itself and then like increases in size every time. Yeah. And it, it, it is the same pattern. But um, Gurren Lagann kind of puts forth the uh, second part of the sentence for C.S. Lewis, where it's like, it's almost like, but if you must, yeah, it's like, this is how you have to do it. It's like you, you have to, there can't be any, <clears throat> there can't be hesitation if it must be done. Yeah. It's, it's like, like, you got to show up day one with a digger. Yeah. You, and you have to show up day one. Like you have to show up. Just saying that, mm-hmm. is that you can't half-heartedly slide in. You know, you can't just let the fence deteriorate over time. And then, you know, you're weak and helpless before the thing that it was keeping out comes in to get you. It's like you kind of have to be strong enough to then face whatever could be on the other side if you're going to break through it. Right. And Gordon Logan somewhat makes the argument that the only way you're going to be strong enough is if you're willing to break through without knowing if you're strong enough. Hmm. Like the, like, I mean, it's kind of like the thing where it's like, uh, when you're having a kid it's like, how do I know when I'm ready? You don't. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, it's like you're never going to know that you're ready. And if you think you're ready, you're not. Or and if you wait to be ready, you'll never be ready. Right. Uh, I mean, it's that with a lot of things. I mean, with starting a career. I mean, if I'm talking about things, things very relevant to me right now, <laughs> you know, I, me, I just, yes, I, I just dipped out of a, uh, a stable job that was preventing me from getting anywhere. Like, you know, uh, all of my productive hours in a week being siphoned by a thing that pays me not very well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the most pay I could then make if I did my best is still so little that it disincentivizes even trying to get there. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I have to wait till I'm ready. I have to wait till I have another job or another income stream coming in. And it's like, Four years and it hasn't happened. Yeah. It might just be time to kick the fence down. Just trudge onward. At some point, you know, you can have all of the, all of the best thinkers telling you exactly how it is. But at some point in the immediate situation, you have to be a human. Yeah. And I, I felt myself finally seeing the nuance of that C.S. Lewis quote, which was kind of hanging over me for the past year, <laughs> because I guess uh, it's it's not particularly important to this podcast. But I mean, you'll know what I'm talking about when I say, you know, my my politics <laughs> was very much being called into question very recently. Yeah, <laughs> it was like it was like, oh, oh. <laughs> maybe this is maybe I don't want to do that. And then, you know, I heard that C.S. Lewis quote and it's sort of like it was like, I have nothing to say. It's like I have nothing to 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 bark back at that. And then, you know, that quote showing up on every personal decision, like continuing to work that job. It's like, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and then being forced out of it out of necessity and then seeing this where it's like, I am seeing the nuance take shape. It's yeah. like I, I'm seeing the the response to that, where it's like it accepts that as true, but then says, you know, th- th- something's got to give. Yeah, the the, the fence has got to get torn down eventually. For some reason, the fence has got to go. Even the opportunity to die out there is better than wasting away in here. Right. Uh, and I think it's, it's, it's very symbolic that they're repeatedly talking about making it to the surface. Like that language, that theme, that like, even just that visual mm-hmm. is such a big deal because it's like they're having to do the impossible in order to make it to the ground floor. Yeah. That's probably a sign that the fence needs to get torn down. Uh, I want to try to wrap it up. I don't want to take too much more of your time or anyone listening. I don't want to take too much of their time. <coughs> but just a few of my notes. I put in the crabs in an open barrel thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they also put, you know, that when they, when, when the chief is stopping, or, or, or uh, I should say he's he's lecturing and sentencing Team Gurren. Yeah. Where he's, where the uh, the the three other dudes just kind of like 
they 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 wimp out. Yeah, they flake and, because know, of the threat of no food. Yeah, they say no dinner is a high price to pay. If if I could just like me hearing that right now is like that's where I was. It was like, oh no, I might have to skip a meal if I if I try to achieve my my dream. Yeah. And then it's just like, eh, skipping dinner. I think I'd do it. I think I'm finally at that point. It took me long enough. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I just wrote down a few things. I guess I'm just going to run through them as quickly as I well, can. I well, think this just, actually... just real quick. It would be like, I mean, the um, like talking about skipping a meal. I mean, the whole idea of seeking <laughs> Discomfort. I know that that's like a tagline for a YouTube channel, but like to to go. It? Yeah, it's um, yes theory. I think. Um, I don't. They did a video on Wim Hof a little while back. So that's how I heard about them. They probably have million of subscribers, and that's why you know who they are. Probably. Um, <laughs> but uh, weird hipster jab. I don't know where that came from. But yeah, they have. Um, Anyway, the the whole seeking discomfort, it's like if you're if you're not willing to seek discomfort, then you're probably not going to grow very much. And the whole when they were like, yeah, I don't want to I don't want to not eat. It's like, really, that's where you draw the line is. Yes. Yeah, as soon as they have skin in the game, they're out of the game. Right. Yeah. And Kamina being the complete contrast is Kamina is really willing to risk his neck. Yeah. Just for the sake of the game. Don't call me bro. Yeah. So uh, I wrote one note down. I wrote down the enemy breaks in showing the way up. Mm, mm-hmm. I think that kind of works on its own. I think that's kind of a symbolic theme that is, that, that is just reality. Is where, where you have an enemy thrust upon you. Yeah. Like, that's the way forward. And you know. Jordan Peterson talks about this where it's like the, the place where you're least willing to look is going to be your path forward. Yeah. That's what's going to get you out of this mess you've gotten yourself into. It's the thing you re like when you wake up and you're like, ah, what do I have to do today? And the one that makes you go, I really don't want to do that. It's like, that's going to be the way forward. That's the thing you have to do most of all. Yeah. And it's like the moment that you recognize it. Well, too late you recognized it go do it yeah it's like oh, i know about it now yeah I, I can't i can't deny it to myself and like i mean you can actually you could i guess but i know it's like a really overused thing but man it just when we were playing quake the other morning and it was just like <laughs> yeah we don't know where we're going oh we found enemies this is the right way <laughs> hey yeah i mean it's manifests in game design yeah <clears throat> um other notes I wrote down, I wrote down Kamina's interest in Yoko changes once he learns her origin. Mm-hmm. It's like move over when thunder thighs. <laughs> yeah. But like when he when he thinks she's from like another world, mm-hmm. that's when he was interested. Then when he learned that they kind of came from the same spot, he was like, oh, <laughs> eh. gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're more like it's like, you know, uh, people who are trying to get out of their hometown. Mm-hmm. To you to go, you, you know, go, go go to college and, and meet those girls. The first friend okay. I made was from the Atlanta area. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, they went to the same high school as me. Oh, 
It's like, oh, I'm seeing you here. I think that's how I felt every single time I saw someone who I like recognized from high school at college. It was like, okay, I hope we don't have any classes. What are you doing here? It's like, hey, this is my spot. You go get your own. (laughs) I thought that was interesting. Uh, And I, I mean, I'm sure I could put more thought into it, but I've kind of wasted too much time. But um, I just wrote down the core drill pulse. That's one of my battle cries. It's just that sound effect. It's so good. It just I don't know if it's a chicken or the egg thing, but it's like I associate that sound effect with so much. It's like that. That's the heartbeat of that. That spirit. Yeah, that'll show itself every once in a while. Like when I'm down and, and you get that feeling where it's like, I can beat this mm-hmm. or I, I can overcome this like that pulse just conveys all of that. It's like to my brain. it's like the kickstart of life. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like a I mean, it's literally like a pulse. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're alive again. Yeah, uh, the, the battle cry that I wrote down one of them. There's so many. There are so many. I wrote I, wrote, I, I, I had to write down the obvious ones. It would have been wrong to not to. It's like <laughs> kick logic out and do the yeah, impossible. Yeah. That has changed meaning to me recently. You want to talk about current logon, sh- you know, shaped my worldview. And then now my worldview is being able to look at it after changing a little bit more itself. Uh, I used to think logic was synonymous with like reality. Hmm. <laughs> And like truth, like, oh, logic is logic is what is real. And I think that's what a lot of people uh, miss. Miss They mistake that mm-hmm. when they're watching Gurren because they mistake that in real life. You know, this crushingly materialistic society yeah. that we exist in where it's like, oh, if I can't see, feel and like uh, hear it, then it isn't real. And it's like, well... Not necessarily. So the thing Kaimina is like proclaiming is not stupid. It's actually profound. And it was like, I almost should have listened to that a little more closely in order to get where I am now, maybe a little bit sooner because that's sort of what I've had to do is I've had to kick logic out. It's like, let logic do its thing, but logic, logic logic has its limitations. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very limited. Um, you know, be, becoming in tune or not in tune, trying to tune myself to symbolism more. Mm-hmm. Is that it's like, wow, yeah, logic misses a lot of this crap. Yeah, and uh, that is what Gurren is forcing into your face. A lot of and symbolism. It's just gut feelings. Yeah, I mean, he. T- this is why people recoil from it. It's almost making them it's almost like when you see a uh, a footage of a surgery. It's mm-hmm. like, ooh, that's in me. That's what it looks like in there. It's like it's showing you an uncomfortable, nasty truth about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, you're obsessed with material and reason and logic. And it's like, it's not it's not everything. You can't just have the enlightenment. You have to have the thing. The enlightenment was based around. Mm hmm. Anyway, uh, let's see. I got more. <laughs> I've got so much. Good grief. You let me know when I need to stop. Uh, no, I'm, I'm one of one of mine is so, just the yours is the drill that's going to pierce through the heavens. Like, that's just a classic. 
I, I, I like there was one way he words it. He says pierce through the vault to heaven. Oh, yeah. And yeah. It's like, ooh, the vault. I didn't think about that one. It's like, yeah, you're kind of breaking in where you're not supposed to go right now. It's like, I'm going to get the get them goods. <laughs> uh, so I wrote down. I, I, I made a note of the fact that Yoko tells Simone to turn the drill in order to get more power with a manly twist uh, or uh, Leron says with a manly Leron twist. Says, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with his wavy animation that is exclusive <laughs> to him. And Steve Bloom always killing it. Absolutely out of the park. <laughs> How is it him? How is he doing it? Uh, I have no idea. So Leron's dialogue is very well written. <laughs> A lot of double entendres. Oh, yes. It's like everything is a double entendre. (laughs) And then when it isn't, it's like, oh, someone's gotten on his nerves. (laughs) Either that or it's like, where was it? (laughs) It's like, what did he mean by that? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I love the they got all types up here on the surface. <laughs> continues to be one of the best lines. Kamina has good digressions. Mm-hmm. Like there's the whole a tasty morsel between a couple other tasty morsels. <laughs> or my my favorite is just the die. And he's like on the hill. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's another digression. Uh so yeah, uh, turning the drill to get more power, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um So this is this is the part I wrote where there's the scene where they're pushing the gunman out of the pit and into the sky. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're very deep underground, mm-hmm. like they're pushing him up there for uh, a minute, a good little bit. Yeah. And that scene where it's like the rocks flying by the, like the, the flashing and the spinning like that shot with that music and those sounds might be the greatest moment in human storytelling ever. And there's one other thing that you're missing. And it's the fact that during that entire or during a good bit of that, it's just focusing on Yoko's face. And she's like, her eyes are darting between the two of them. Oh yeah. I mean, it shows them like that part screaming in unison. Yeah. When it shows her, like when it moves away from them and onto her and just like her watching them, that part always like get, gets me, like gives me goosebumps. And it is just, I love that moment. That's the anima baby. Mm. That that's that whole union concept right there. It's like that. That's how you make her watch. Mm. And uh, like, yeah, them screaming in unison with that uh, teal tint in the cockpit. Mm -hmm. And then like as they're pushing it higher and higher in this whole point, Simone has gone from like scared to having resolve. Like he's kind of bouncing in between that in various degrees. Mm -hmm. And then it turns into a smile. Yeah. As they're like oh, rising. Oh man. I, I'm covered in goosebumps I right know. now. <laughs> There's no way around it. <laughs> like do you want to talk about like why I I don't know if if my hero was inspired by Gurn Logan at any point, but like some of my hero's greatest moments feel like they were inspired by Gurn Logan. Like 
the end of season one where All Might is fighting the Nomu. Mm-hmm. It feels directed like a Gurren Lagann action scene. Yeah, and also he's like he's beat. Yeah, and he's like he's like at his last leg, but then he somehow pulls out like two hundred percent more than what he was ever capable of. Yeah, and then there's something about like with my hero, the the saving people with a smile, like that is that just reminds me so much of that scene with Simone when it, when it turns from like the scowl or the the gritted teeth <laughs> into the smile. Yeah. And it's like just that that switch in attitude Mm -hmm. and where he's like for the first time he's seen that something he's doing is immediately making his situation better. Yeah. Like he's actually making a path beyond where he was. And uh, then when they break through the canopy and, you know, that scene that we can never stop talking about. Right. It's It's impossible. They're seeing the sky for the first time and then just got the animation, the direction, that background lighting. All of it is so ridiculously, extremely good. Like it's so that that's that's the word that I have to use is just it's good. Mm -hmm. It's good. Like a good person is good. (laughs) It's like it's like you're watching it and it's doing good for you. Yeah, it's like it's 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 medicine. Like it's got nutrition in it. And it's like this is what I wanted to track down. Like when we were going to do a show like this, I wanted to find more things like, like this. Like that think, feeling that like that bone broth feeling. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, like Dr. Stone fits this. Mm. Magnificently. Oh, yes. It, it gets there by a completely different route. But but it, it gets like, there nonetheless. And I'm getting fired up because we're talking about both of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like. <sighs> Media that is not just consumed for the sake of consuming it. It's like media that you consume it and then somewhat to its own detriment, it commands you to get up. Yeah. Like when you're in your your input phase where it's like I, I'm taking things in right now, it fills you so quickly. It's like, I, I have to go out now. Like, I have to go. I have to give back yeah, it, because I've been given more than I could ever need. It gives you a craving to do something. Yeah. Like, it's it's motivating. Mm-hmm. And that sounds tr- uh, trite, I guess. I mean, I, I remember hearing that a lot. Yeah, I feel like motivating has been so overused for things that just really aren't that. Yeah, it kind of takes the wind out of the sails for it. Yeah. But I, I remember at the time, like especially before the whole like self-help craze, uh, saying the word self-help or saying like a motivational speaker was always like taking the piss out of something. It was always like you look down upon that. Like you look down upon people who get things from motivational speakers or, or self-help books. It was always a joke mostly because I mean, rightfully so for a lot of it, because a lot of self-help things were like 
snake oil yeah and it was like like, this guy needs to sell a book yeah and it's like you're being taken advantage of by you know being moved by this uh motivational speaker yeah (laughs) silver-tongued kind man yeah he's gotten you to spend forty dollars on his book and uh, it's not actually going to help you it's just a bunch of things cd track yeah it's a bunch of flowery language and you know um, it's kind of like, you know, it's pre algorithm, but it's very algorithmic. Yeah. It's like, this is the thing that gets people to spend the most money. It, the goal is not to improve anyone's life. Yeah. Whereas, um, <clears throat> the self-help craze as of, you know, like 2015 onward, I would say it's, it's a lot more ratioed towards people genuinely trying to help one another. Mm -hmm. And this feels like one of the kind of outsider examples, like around the time where like, you know, getting, getting your motivation from a cartoon Mm -hmm. would be quite looked down upon. Whereas now I think it's at a point where getting your motivation at all is just a good thing and we're not very choosy. Yeah. It's about like it. wherever you can get it. Yeah. And the fact that this seems to fill that so effectively, like it's so efficient and how it like galvanizes you. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a weird phenomenon. Maybe it's like, and it doesn't for some people, for some people, they, they recoil. And I would say it's, I, Sure, some of it can come down to personal preference, but I think, I don't know, I almost want to, it, it's hard to, it's hard to understand the perspective of someone who thinks Gurren Lagann is just, is just incoherent stupidity or something. It's like, nah, I, I seriously think that is simply impossible. Yeah. It it does, it, it leaves you with too much for it to be nothing more than, you know, silly fun or whatever. Yep. And it feels so human. Yeah, like I I would definitely agree with that. And I mean, uh the, the enemies are inhuman, but they're partially human. And but then, they're missing the thing like they can't use spiral power. That hasn't been explained yet, but I'm jumping ahead. Right. <laughs> Maybe uh, yeah, I th- I feel like a lot of the other stuff that I'm going to bring up is somewhat Kind of, it kind of requires the context of more episodes, so maybe I should put a lid on it right there, just so it's less, just so it's not. Oh, we aren't there yet. Yeah. Gosh, and it's like I want so badly to be there. <laughs> I was, I was. There were a few other things that I could just, you know, run through real quick. Um, <clears throat> in episode two, they talk about how, or I, I mean, the the intro. Uh, uh, monologue for episode two, which those are great. Mm-hmm. They aren't every episode, but I, 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 once again, more examples proving that no, you actually do like narration. <laughs> There's something about the voice they got, the way it's written, it's in, in like the music that they're playing. Yep, I can hear the theme right it. now. <laughs> yeah, it, it almost feels like a, it, it's a, it's a rousing briefing. Is what it is. Yeah. But they talk about how 
in attacking the enemy, it gives them momentum to burst through the ceiling where it was like, you found a problem and you just solved it. And that gave you momentum that like brought you up to like, just, just being a problem solver at a basic level. Like it gives you momentum. Yeah. Uh, here, let's see. Oh, so I was, I was going to talk about later uh, how, when communist says, even on, or like even at night, the surface is full of light Mm -hmm. and it's like, yeah, that's an interesting line because where they were, it was like daytime would be pitch black unless they had the lights on. Yeah. And they had like that pool that would always show light, but it was only like a dim. Mm -hmm. Well, and also as far as like what the metaphor for being underground and then being on the surface is, like when you're underground you're taken care of like you're not going to be left to die on the surface like they're literally in a desert surrounded by enemies like they're surrounded by by danger right and they have to fight to survive but that is when the world has more light in it and uh more i can't purpose, remember yeah yeah i can, yeah it's everything is now meaningful yeah And it's like you have these periods in your life where, yeah, they're dangerous and like you're risk, you're risk taking. But everything is like when you when you try to remember certain times like that, like when I remember uh, like college, especially after my uh, parents had moved out of state. So it was like, it's just me here. Like I, I have to worry about my meals and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. When I think about those, it's always like more vivid. Like I I remember them more vividly and more fondly when I was frequently like under pressure and like, uh, you know, I I had shared misery with people where it was like, Oh, we got to get this done. I'm running out of time, but I'm hungry and I haven't slept. Yeah. And all that kind of stuff It's like those times in my life. I universally remember fondly, even though they were like just technically the more difficult periods. Yeah. Like literally there was difficulty in getting from hour to hour. Yeah. And, and the, the struggle kind of, uh, like when when you think back on it, it's like for me, at least when I think back on it, it's like I don't even think about it being hard. Like I don't think about the struggle or the uh, the disappointments or anything like that. It's like I think of the positives that came from all of that work and all of that that hardship. I've, I've criticized the whole. Uh, demagoguery of like you have to go to college. And all that. Mm-hmm. I don't think you have to go to college. Yeah, I don't but either. <laughs> though it's, it's like if I hadn't gone to college and I had instead, you know, tried to work for a film studio or something like that, mm-hmm. it would have achieved the same result. It would have been a situation where it's like, you know, you're up late. It's pitch black outside. But. It's like you're on. Yeah. Like you're you're pushing yourself. You're at the edge of what you're capable of and you're trying to figure it out. You're like trying to get that much better and you're sleep deprived, but everything is vivid. 
Yeah. Like there's there's a, a a nice amount of fear, which is, you know, that deadline, you know, the expectations around you. There's there's a little bit. It's like, uh, of course, you know, I'm not on the desert fighting mechs. You know, it's not literal fight for survival. Yeah, but there's that feeling. But, there's the, there's a specific feeling that I that I remember very vividly, the, like the saturation is just turned up all the way. Yes. But it's like yeah. the, the, the feeling of. I just did an all nighter and I'm walking to one of my classes on campus and it's kind of brisk outside. And so like I have that uh-huh. that, that all nighter achiness. But at the same time, yeah, where you're aware of your hair on top of your yeah, head, and like you're, you're just a little bit sweaty just because like you didn't have time to take a shower that morning. And you're just like right. and like the briskness of the morning is just really like extra chilly. And you're just like, but I kind of feel alive because of it everyone who's gone through college knows what you're talking about right now like exactly like i've had exactly that and and there's just this sort of calm that you have because it's like i did it and it's good yeah it's like when you're up before everybody else and it's like the morning yeah yeah. the thing i'm going to turn in i'm proud of it it's like this is this is like I, I would consider this quality. Mm-hmm. This isn't just I'm getting a grade, which kind of have, has its own calm where you've kind of accepted this is as good as it's going to get. And I'm out of time. Yeah. So that's like another thing. But uh, yeah, that that line just like stuck out to me where it was like, even at night, this place is full of light. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, Um and, and man, this could not have come at a more important time. But like these last few days where I'm like, there's a there's a clock ticking now. Mm-hmm. It's like I have to make it work and I'm going to have to figure out how to make it work yep. and then actually do it. It's like get some sort of income stream doing what I want to do, like things that I want to succeed in and make me happy. Every single day has been important. Like none of these days have blurred together. Like all of them. There's like one where I feel like it was kind of a waste. And it, 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 I remember it vividly. It's like, I vividly remember, well, I don't want to do that again. And it's not like waking up another day feeling like, ah, oh, I just want to, I just want to get a, a Coke zero and play video games. It's like, I don't get that feeling anymore. Mm, yeah. There, there's no blurring of the timeline at this point. It's kind of like, no, Every hour counts. Yeah. And uh, there was a line I heard recently. Uh, It was from a a streamer. I can't remember his name, but he was at some point he was like, hey, here's something crazy to think about. It's like, what about this? What if everything has meaning? He's like, what if everything has meaning? Hmm. That'd be pretty crazy, huh? And it's like, should it be alarming that when I heard it, which was when I was still at work, it was kind of like, I don't know, would that be nice? Was my first thought. And then now I'm in the moment where everything has meaning. Right. And it's like, yeah, I kind of like this. I feel like this is the way people should try to be. Yeah, we're you should try to be in a situation where everything has meaning and you're just barely hanging on. 
Well, maybe not necessarily. Uh, I think, uh, you know, we can afford ourselves a little comfort now and then, but the comfort will be meaningful. Right. Not just, not just, I have to be distracted or I'm, I'm so drained that this is all I can do until I go to bed. It's like, no, I want to go to the gym now. It's like, I want to get in there badly because that means something. It's like, this is valuable time. And I, and I willingly will spend that time on making my body healthier. Yeah. I mean, just this show's great. And that line said so much to me. Uh, there, there, there was a little thing I wrote down where it was like, uh, the scattered pieces of the government, uh, of the gunman, mm-hmm. uh, a little Freudian slip there. The scattered pieces of the gunman provide, uh, resources <laughs> to the people. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, that's pretty, that's, pre- <laughs> that's, that's pretty on there. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, Jordan Peterson talks about, you know, the Mesopotamian, Mesopotamian, Mesopotamian creation myth where, uh, Marduk like breaks up the pieces of like the, the evil God and distributes, distributes it along the world. Mm. It's like resources that like makes humans advance is when you destroy the evil God and give them the pieces of it. Yeah. Uh, there was a little bit that I, I didn't remember being such like a, a vivid detail where uh, Simon realizes that his parents were killed by the quakes caused by yeah. the gun and he gets like enraged. Yeah. And then Kamin is like, it's great to see you're fired up, but you've got to keep a cool head. And then immediately starts giving him a plan that isn't just brute force. But at the he same like says, time is kind of just brute force. <laughs> well, yes, but, but I mean, it's more like the way he's giving it to Simon. It's not the way Kamina usually tells Simon's right. Simon to do things. Right. It's like at that moment he has to match and like bring Simon into equilibrium. Mm-hmm. He's like very calmly relaying a plan that would require precision and focus. It's like you're enraged right now. You're motivated, but we need you to do something very like focused. Like we need you to get into a specific spot and pry this thing open. Right. And it like, which by the way, talking about maybe not so great voice acting, Yuri Lowenthal is not one of those people. He's a fantastic voice actor. <laughs> so like the fact that he goes from like the, the extremely heightened state, like heightened emotional state. And then as Kamina is giving him the instructions, he very gradually starts to bring it down. I was like, that is very well done. It's the first time I've noticed it. Yeah. Like, he very effectively starts bringing Simone's like emotional high down. Yeah, he from brings where it him. Was. He brings him back into regulation. Yeah, and it wasn't sudden. It yeah. wasn't awkward. It like you don't notice it, which is correct. Like the fact that it took me so long to notice is like a sign. He knew what he was doing. <clears throat> uh, I wrote down one note where I was like, the action direction is unreal. Like the action scenes are so well directed. It's kind of, it's just silly. I think of the, uh, like right after, um, Viral kicked, uh, uh, Gurren. And like the, the pose that he's in after he kicked him, it was just like the way that it was set up. I just, yeah, it's, it's, it's great visuals, storyboarding yeah. and like key art, but the direction where it's like the flow of the scene, like what is happening mm. 
is brilliant. Like if I would, th- if I need to think of a popular, well-known action scene, or not, well, maybe not even action scene, but just moment, moment of awkward directing in something a lot of people have seen mm-hmm. return of the Jedi where they're on indoor Han runs up to get the attention of a stormtrooper and then runs away from him mm-hmm. and he runs around the corner and there's a bunch of rebel soldiers waiting for the soldier for the stormtrooper. And then they just kind of awkwardly detain him. Very strange, very stilted. The way it's shot is very odd. Mm-hmm. You don't have a clear idea as to where anyone is. In Gurren Lagann, like the the episode, the action scenes in episode two, which is you know uh, hijacking Gurren, mm-hmm. and then episode three, the fight with Viral. The direction is just like flawless. Yeah, like there's not a hair out of place. At no moment does your brain get like tripped up on something. It's so like smooth and like masterful, the way everything plays out. Yeah, like uh, Kamina coming in from off screen for the get your hands off my beloved little brother kick. <laughs> like, like the wrestler kick, and then it like destroys the legs, and then before he does the punch, he like midair uses the momentum momentum to spin around and deliver the punch. <clears throat> it isn't just the moments where it's like, yeah, that's a really cool way to animate something getting punched away. It's like. On paper, it would be glorious. Yeah. Like if these action scenes could have a novelization, that would be exciting. Whereas, say, other fantastic action direction like John Wick Mm -hmm. would basically just be a list of ways that a guy got killed. Yeah. This guy got shot in the head. This guy got shot in the gut and then the head. (laughs) Then John Wick reloaded because this many rounds were expelled. It's like, yeah, that's great action like movie or action movie direction Mm -hmm. where it's like this is the nuts and bolts that are all working perfectly but like the emotional arc that happens throughout the action scenes of Gurren Lagann like the highs and lows and like the comedic stuff like when the uh when Lagann misses when they when they dodge Lagann because they saw it coming Mm -hmm. and they start like taunting him and then he comes back around and like blows right through him it would, it's just how do you I, I don't know how I don't know how anyone would dislike the show it's just perfect yep. all of it's so good yep. it's so it's so likable and at least uh, with these so, first up three episodes there's there's nothing that I can think of that I would aside from like like I said the little disconnects that came with my uh, my expectation of the voice acting uh, that was the only thing that took me out of it but then I was right back in you know I noticed something hmm. uh, I did notice this with Yoko but I noticed this about her a while back this wasn't this viewing but uh, she is doing a thing that is frowned upon now being like people are very obs- oh. <laughs> Oops! <laughs> i'm drawing too much attention daniel don't scare the eye of sauron is looking <laughs> we don't want that no um it wasn't gonna be that it was gonna be this thing where you know people are all about authenticity now mm. where it's like if something looks like it's staged at all it's like hey eh, i don't like it it's lame. Mm-hmm. It's lame if it's staged. 
like, you know, people watch vlogs and they watch streams and it's live. You know, it's a live reaction to something where it's like, eh, well, um, plenty of that is also staged and very carefully. Um, and also sectioned off. Not very carefully sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's also uh, its own kind of fake, a special, very devilish kind of fake that sneaks up on you. Mm. But um, yeah, people want authenticity because we're starved of it. We have social media instead of seeing our friends in person. Mm-hmm. And uh, your brain literally doesn't count that. Like the chemicals that release from being in, pro- being in proximity with another human and like, you know, spending time with them. Uh, you do that over a Zoom call, brain doesn't release them. Right. The brain, the brain doesn't count it. So it's like, oh, you can rationalize it as, oh, I just, you know, had a phone call with that person. We spent time or whatever. But uh, the brain doesn't release any of the chemicals. The brain still knows you're in a room by yourself. Right. So like the way we're doing this podcast right now, this isn't releasing the we're hanging out endorphins. Yeah. We can rationalize it as, oh, yeah, that is that person on the other end, but it's not what's happening. So people crave authenticity or whatever. It's made them very uh, sensitive to anything that is like theatrical. Mm -hmm. And Yoko's voice actress does this thing where she is putting on a show. She's playing a character like her line delivery is somewhat hokey Mm -hmm. in a way. Like the way that she talks is not the way people talk. It's probably not the way her voice actress talks. If she was like had an interview or a conversation or something. Right. She wouldn't talk like that. Like certain things she says. Where uh, Kamina, you know, says um, a man faces his enemy head on when he fights him or whatever. Something. I'm a woman. Thank you very much. Yeah. She says, I'm a woman. Thank you very much. And it's like, yeah, no one talks like that. Right. And I think I think that's what you're picking up on. That might be <laughs> it. Like, there's a kind of hokiness to her performance, which isn't really it, it's not really there for Simon at all. For Kamina, it's kind of part of the character mm-hmm. that he's projecting this display like he's a storyteller and he's he's doing the storytelling in the middle of the story that's happening. Right. And then, you know, you get a more exaggerated version to the to the people at the campfire that he's telling God, it to. Those are great. <laughs> but like in the middle of that scene, he was already narrating the story. Right. You know, saying, I'm going to pilot that thing or whatever, you know, his theatrical way of conveying things. That's part of the character. So it's not grating. Whereas with Yoko, sometimes it'll pop up where it's like, you sound like an actress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're an actress out here in the desert <laughs> shooting robots. How'd you get how'd you get so good with that gun? You're an actress. <laughs> You've been a Terran tactical? You've been with John Wick? <laughs> or I should say Keanu Reeves. <clears throat> uh and then the uh like the most of the other characters aren't like that. Leron's like that, but Leron is another character where it's like uh he has a character that he likes to play around people. Yeah. Like he has, he has his persona that he thinks is fun to be. Right. He has, you know, those flourishes in, and his double entendres, (laughs) but uh, his, his isn't grading at all. It could also be, you know, these fingers, a dexterity test. (laughs) Oh yeah. I wrote down the dexterity test. (laughs) (laughs) I also like how uh, they're surprised that he's a good mechanic and it's like, well, he's a, uh oh, that's Sauron again. 
was I was going to point something out at the beginning of Gurren Lagann, the freaks are in control. You know, the beasts, mm-hmm. the mutated beings, mm-hmm. they're at the top of the hierarchy. It's like this is post-apocalyptic because that's what happens in a post-apocalypse. I mean, you know, you look at Fallout. It's like, oh, what's at the center of that city that got nuked? Probably a death claw. Right. Or the the mutated freaks. I also think Mad Max, where all the freaks are in power. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like post-apocalyptic is when the uh, and it's it's like more vivid Mm -hmm. when it's like a human animal hybrid. It's like a mutated thing is now in power. Uh, You think about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Batman. It's like the human animal hybrid is the thing that stays underground and hidden. Right. And only come in like the good ones come up to uh, establish order and then they go back underground before the sun rises. Yeah. Not that Bruce Wayne is a hybrid, but he is Batman. Like he's invoking that same theme. Right. Uh, You know, the the mutagen in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles creates a lot of the bad guys, which are trying to, like, you know, disrupt the order of New York. But then the Cowabunga dudes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Gurren Lagann, they are the hierarchy. Like, you have to be a beastman in order to pilot a gunman. Humans haven't even tried it. And, like, it rejects them and it rejects the human. So, like, this is the tool that is used to enforce order around here. And it can only be used by a beastman. Right. You know, until, but still that was the status quo, the status quo of a post-apocalyptic wasteland. And I like how they point out, it's like they don't attack us at night and it's like, they have a set of rules they live by. It's like, it's this funny contradiction where, you know, Viral and his ilk are the ones that are like strictly adhering to like a code, a dogma, like a code. Yeah. They're, they're strictly adhering to a code and that is why they are part of the hierarchy. Yeah. So it's like, uh, yeah, if the humans have abdicated the hierarchy, if they've, uh, scattered from, you know, the top of the totem pole, the the thing that's going to be the top at, of that totem pole, the thing that's going to fill that space is going to be orderly. No matter how inhuman or how much of a perversion it is. Yeah. And it just I, I, I the whole um, Littner like existence is a microcosm of the entire show as well. <laughs> yeah. And they're also victims. Littner things just happen to them. Mm hmm. They they have no masculine energy. They have no energy that compels them to go out into the world and try to make things better. But at the same time, what I was getting at was just the fact that they are resisting. It's like they're they're still even though there's there's they're in place and even though they haven't like progressed nearly as far as Kamina and Simone did in a day, like they're they're still existing. They're still resisting. And I mean, like throughout the show, it, it kind of shows that like these orderly regimes <laughs> that rise up to, to keep people down or to keep people from reaching their potential. It's like, there's always going to be a group that's going to resist that whether or not they succeed, there's going to be resistance. I I'm not, I'm not sure about this one. I'm going to have to push back mm. because I don't know if Littner is resisting anything other than their own annihilation. 
which is kind of a low bar. Hmm. Like, and, and they live by the Beastman's code by their routine. It's like, well, well, it's true. Later in the day is when we'll go get food because that's when they won't be bothering us. It's like they're, they're prey. They're just behaving as prey. Mm. So I don't know if zebras are resisting the lions by crowding up and making it to where it's hard to tell which one was the weak one we were just chasing. I wouldn't describe that as resistance. I guess that's true. I guess it's more like, um, uh, like an animal that got locked out of its home. It's like, well, now they're in the wilds and they have to survive. Okay. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Uh, and also they were going nowhere until Kamina and Simone came in. Like they were the, the, the force that is, uh, uh, well, and, but one way of putting it is drawing the eye of Sauron. You know, Vera only shows up mm-hmm. because of what Kamina and Simon are doing. Otherwise, it would have been, you know, uh, we'll hold off some scattered, you know, low level gunmen and we'll survive. But that's not really good enough for Kamina. Right. Surviving is not his MO. And it's like, wow, we, we, we found where they're coming from. So let's go kill them. <laughs> Yeah, he, he's they're like uh, Leron figures out, you know, hey, there's a recall point <laughs> just throwing the information out there. And they're like, yeah, so uh, we're going to go track them down. <laughs> that's that's what we need that for. Whereas if Leron had somehow gotten the recall point for the other gunmen before they had showed up, it wouldn't have meant anything. It's like, OK, there's meaningless information, right? We're not going to go kicking down their door. Uh, I guess uh, I have just a couple more notes. I wrote down the note cross counter because I love that scene. It's just just a cool thing to have, and it's basically in every Imaishi thing. But uh, I wrote down one of the battle cries as something itches. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) such a good scene. Gosh, Viral. (laughs) I love. Because the show is so well animated and it know it and, and it moves so well that when it chooses to restrict movement, it hits you like a ton of bricks. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that he doesn't even lift his arm. It's just where the arm was, he fires missiles out of it at the ground where they are. Like that was that was the big move that goes with that one liner, and it was sick. Also, the the move when he and Kamina were fighting, and when he like holds the bullet, they come together, and the blade comes right up to the muzzle of the gun, and then they, the the gun fires, and then they both kind of like step back. That whole fight yeah. is just awesome. The direction of that fight is incredible. Like the whole like decapitating all of the shrubs mm-hmm. where it's like beautiful, but also a great way to now progress the fight out of the cat and mouse. It's like, okay, no more cover. Now we're both exposed. Right. So good. It's hard, it's hard to talk about more without getting ahead of myself talking about other stuff from future episodes. So maybe we should leave people there. Yeah. Maybe we should try to leave them wanting more. I'm probably going to cut out a lot of the aimless ranting. So this is a little more concise. 
you know, if we're going to have a 10 part series, if they're all two hours long, I don't know. Are the are the draws of the eye of Sauron going to be removed? um, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, Maybe. I would be fine with the view of Sauron. (laughs) Uh, I don't know about that. How do you spell virile, by the way? V-I-R-I-L. I-L. Okay. I keep, Actually, I keep wanting to spell it viral, and I'm like, nah, I don't think that's right. Hold on. I figured huh, it was a play on um, oh. virile or virility. It, 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 is, is, it, it is spelled V-I-R-A-L. Oh, so it's just spelled viral, but because it's Japanese, the I makes an E sound. Viral. Yeah. But also... okay. It, it, it's it's spiral but without the sp <laughs> viral yeah <laughs> funny what? joke he is a shark huh. beastman viral is i i don't know where they got that but that's what the fandom wiki says uh the my anime list says species says shark slash cat beastman it's a very interesting mixture. I don't know where the shark part's coming from. Uh, he doesn't convey that to me. Maybe it's the sharp teeth. I think I've been... Oh, yeah. Shark-like <laughs> teeth. I guess that that's the... All right. That's lame. That's stupid. No, I, I hate I, it. I refuse. I reject. <laughs> he's, he's just virile. He's like the only beastman of his kind. He really does stick out. Oh, I'm sorry. There's the scorpion lady. She's like more human-like mm-hmm. like he is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna just cut that out. I'm gonna. <laughs> huh. Oh. What? There's a freaking part of the. Stop wiki. thinking you're funny. No, it, it, I'm not gonna share it because it, we're, we would be getting ahead of ourselves, but I'm, I'm gonna send it in the okay. chat. <laughs> <clears throat> well, uh, that, that we definitely need to wrap it up. Yeah. So. yeah. Uh, I'm going to take a nap for three hours and then when I get up, I'm going to start editing until I have to go back to bed. But uh, yeah. what, um, what, what show are we watching next week? Is it St. Seiya? Has it come back around to St. Seiya? I don't know. I don't know, dude. I, don't, I, don't have to, I think it's St. Seiya. I think it's St. Seiya. I guess we'll see. Uh, watching this made me seriously think, am I really going to want to return to Zoids? Not that Zoids mm. is bad. It's just, it's on a different level. Yeah, it's not, it's not Gurren Lagann. <laughs> the problem is nothing is. That's what makes me think, okay, hold up. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw what you yeah, said. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I haven't decided on what to do with Zoids yet because I mean the biggest problem with Gurren Lagann was after we saw it now nothing else could compare right (sighs) so uh, I think it's time we close it yeah we'll go beyond plus ultra and uh, uh, kick logic out into the impossible yeah that's the one I feel like we, we should be using it's it's crazily poignant in a way I didn't expect. Mm. So yeah. Um see you all next time. <laughs>